everyone. Welcome back to our podcast edition. This is Claire. And this is Cece. And hello, friends, to our headline news edition of our 22nd series of edition on May 9th, 2021. We have three interesting stories and even better takes, so let's get into it. So our first story is that the Massachusetts legislative has recently restricted facial recognition use for the police force. So the state lawmakers are one of the first few in the country to limit facial recognition technology as part of a series or wave of police form that was passed. One of the main leaders, the Democratic Senator Sonia Chang-Diaz, led these regulations in hopes of getting time for the state to gather more information and do more research to find out exactly how facial recognition works as a surveillance technology and how that can be best utilized in public policy, right? We do know that before this law was passed, the police could technically just send a photo to the RMV, which is basically the DMV of Massachusetts, for those of us who may be confused by the changed acronym, to find suspects for the crimes they were looking for, right? And these actions, which technically, you know, are not illegal, came to light when the American Civil Liberties Unit of, uh, Union of Massachusetts began investigating on the use of the uh, facial recognition by law enforcement. Their findings included little to no supervisation of the police actions and claimed that the defense lawyers in the criminal charges should be notified about how the police even caught the suspect, right, using the facial recognition technology. The union also argued that this technology can be wildly inaccurate, causing false positives, which are basically like you think it's that person, but it's not. And that face recognition still struggles in identifying black and brown faces, which can lead to more false suspects and is already furthering, uh, further targeting uh, marginalized communities. With this new law now, the police have to have a court order in order to request the images from the RMV and even the FBI and state police who still happen to be authorized to use facial tech, uh, recognition technology. And so basically this decreases the amount of times the police can use facial recognition, especially when it doesn't even pertain to a filed investigation. Another part of the law is that police must record these types of searches, which are able to be made public later on. Although this legislation doesn't exactly hit the marks of what is encouraged by ACLU and you know, other proponents of civil liberties, the restrictions are definitely a step forward for them. So, yeah. I mean, I think facial recognition technology, I know we've seen many movies about it, like, uh, like you know how in the films, mm-hmm. if you're looking for, like, the evil villain traveling between country to country in the airports... And then they'll scan their face, and then, oh my god, look, it's them. Yeah, and it's, like, so quick. I'll be like, oh my god, how? Yeah, and they, like, yeah. zoom in on the face, and they're like, oh, look. So yeah. quickly. But, Unfortunately, you know, that's not how it works in real life. Yeah. So. I mean, obviously, in the movies, it's like, oh, they're trying to find an obviously evil person in this fictional world, right? That's but true. in the real world, right, it's... 
actually pretty scary to think about it. Like, if you have access to these types of technology, you could literally just search anyone for anyone. Yeah. Up. There have been so many arguments about how this is a big invasion of privacy. I'm pretty sure we've all heard some form of argument about that. Yeah, and I think we've talked about it before, like especially how facial recognition technology is, although it is advanced, right? You, um, but it's not always as accurate as people think, right? Like what we talked about, the what you mentioned, Claire. What you see in the movies is not, not true. real. <laughs> They're like a much exaggerated version. Like, it's not that fast. The and they're like, is. you know, the thing where they're like, ah, yes, like I found this guy. It's exact. And you give them the name, blah, blah, blah. And all you mm-hmm. have is basically like, uh, like just a nose and some lips, which, you know, can help. Um, but, but it's not the entire thing, you know? Yeah. Like, people have similar facial features, and like Cece said in the news story, that can obviously lead to false suspects. Plus, like, they don't, they haven't even found a way to accurately recognize every person, right? Mm-hmm. And like, this is... Black yeah. and brown communities. Yeah. And this is not to say, like, I personally believe facial recognition technology can definitely be useful, right? A lot of the rioters in the capital um like fiasco basically were found through like surveillance obviously Mm -hmm. one definitely being the videos put up online by those same people (laughs) that was pretty dumb but (laughs) in general the capital you expect the capital to have surveillance cameras right i mean i do and so they used it to identify a lot of the perpetrators right people who stormed the capitol and so Mm -hmm. i do definitely think they're useful in cases of other crime right if facial recognition can help find some like find a murderer or a rapist or like a kidnapper yeah or even someone else who commits crime i think that's pretty helpful but the fact that there was like almost no supervision of their actions like they didn't even have to say that they were investigating this person you could literally just lie and say, yeah, I'm investigating this, um, like, this girl who happens to be, oh, no. um, like, oh, she's, like, she has a history of theft, and I think, we think she might have stole something, and you're really, like, that police officer is just stalking an ex, like, that's really weird, and, mm-hmm. I mean, the police aren't perfect, right? Of course, it like there's to definitely be some and police have a high rate of domestic abuse accusations, so a little scary, actually mm-hmm. a lot scary. <laughs> but I mean, that's like I remember I took this class on ethics and AI, right? All this technology is like so freaking wonderful and cool, and honestly, like world changing it's so useful right yeah but if you use it in the wrong way then it's an effective for lack of a better word weapon i don't know what to say yeah like um i think one 
example that really stood out to me before was when this lady was explaining that how AI can be used to figure out like what room temperature you work best in, right? How you work, uh, like say for productivity in the workplace, right? The times mm-hmm. you work best in, um, the environment, like the specific room temperature, right? The specific lighting and whatnot. And you're like, wow, that means I can be way more productive. You can do that hypothetically clear this is like a hypothetical situation where it just shows how like some how something perfect can be turned into something vile in which now the company is is using that ai to squeeze every little productivity out of you right Mm -hmm. so like how oh they're like, they know you work well at 2 a.m., so they make you stay up at night to finish oh, your work. that's stupid. Or, you know, it's... Yeah. I mean, yes, it's an extreme example, of course, but it just shows how the ups and downs of technology like this. Honestly, like, any technology, you know, phones. <laughs> mm-hmm. But... As a like, I think that is more of an ethical v- uh, view on this type of stuff. As for a constitutional, you know, like we do have a right to privacy, and this is technically, especially with little supervision, is unregulated really lack towards, of regulation. Uh, uh, Unconstitutional, of yeah. But I think if regulated, then it should be bad. Okay. Okay. <laughs> It's, like, not the best, of course. No one wants an invasion of privacy. But a little more acceptable. Yeah. So, our second story of today is that the EPA is deciding on big greenhouse gases restrictions. So, on Monday, May 3rd, the EPA decided to drastically cut down greenhouse gases tied to air conditioning and refrigeration as a part of the Biden administration's goal to slow the effects of warming. The EPA is thinking to regulate hydrofluorocarbons, or HFCs, and HFCs are a category of man-made chemicals, and they are thousands of times stronger than carbon dioxide when it comes to their effect in global warming. Similar to the effects of methane, HFCs have short-term warming effects that are much more powerful than carbon dioxide. However, they don't really stay in the atmosphere as long as carbon dioxide does. Scientists say that reducing greenhouse gases similar to these can avoid around a 0.6 degrees Celsius of warming by around 2050. This is the first time the federal government has actually moved to regulate HFCs. On the other hand, though, dozens of states have actually already moved to either ban or impose some sort of regulation on HFCs. The regulation is set to take effect in 2022 and will span over at least 15 years. The goal is to reduce the production and importation of HFCs by 85% by the end of the 15 years. The remaining 15% is permitted because HFCs still have a critical role, but alternatives for HFCs have not yet been found. The EPA estimates that by the mid-century, the new regulation will be able to cut 4.7 million metric tons of carbon dioxide emission, which translates to about three years' worth of the U.S.'s carbon emissions. This powers the U.S. toward... President Biden's goal of cutting our carbon emissions by half by the year 2030. The EPA says that the regulation will also have an economic effect. 
The EPA estimates that the new HFC regulation will reduce climate-related wildfires, heat-related health problems, and property damage from natural disasters. This will then translate to around $283.9 billion in health and environmental benefits, which is estimated to be achieved by around 2050. The Biden administration has been trying to guide the United States to begin fighting against climate change again. Recently, Biden decided to rejoin the Paris Climate Accord, and he also hosted a virtual climate summit. So this is definitely some good news to hear. Man, when Trump pulled us out of the Paris Climate Accord, everyone was so disappointed. Yeah. I mean, the Paris Climate Accord, in my opinions, <laughs> in my opinion, oh my is definitely not as much as we'd like to be. You know, we want to be more, but... It was like already a low standard, y'all. Yeah. So that made it him deciding to step away. Like, mm. but honestly, I'm very, very glad that the EPA and news are starting to include the economic effect, right? Because people think aren't always bringing together the social effect and uh, of environmental change, right? When People think, oh, like you're cutting down carbon emissions. Like, what about all those oil, um, like, uh, workers in the coal industry, right? And mm-hmm. the like, people who make and sell oil. That whole market will go down or whatnot. Like now, regulation. They're like, oh, now you're like, changing how like these refrigerator businesses and whatnot will like they'll have to change their product, right? Right. And, like, they're out of jobs, too, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yes, there are definitely downfalls of technology, even, like, just regular technology changing, right? You're always going to have some sort of job shift. But I feel like not enough people focus on the social benefit of um, positive environmental change, right? If we have less carbon emissions in the air, right? Because, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like the same people who, I'll say in a way where, like, say, usually conservatives are against regulating or trying to cut down carbon emissions, right? Because it's cheaper for businesses to use or, like, Mm -hmm. for what they see, right? Mm -hmm. But those same people also complain about spending, trying to fix problems of healthcare and Like, they say, oh, we spend too much on welfare, right? But Mm -hmm. at the same time, like, all these environmental effects influence marginalized communities the most, right? Poor communities who are always living near these coal mines with toxic water, right? And if you better your environment, right, then you can spend less money on treating people of asthma all the time, of certain like mining related just like other health problems that are caused by living near carbon emissions there's even studies of all those coal plants right people living near those have insane health issues right and they always happen to be uh, minorities and lower income people because you think rich people are gonna live near a coal plant absolutely not and so that environment will negatively affect how they live right their physical body and their mental health as well 
Yeah, but if we get rid of those, then of course there would be a much lower amount of money spent on healthcare and trying to relieve these health problems that are being caused by environmental factors and also like property damage as well. Stuff like earthquakes and hurricanes, tornadoes, etc. that are actually being caused by global warming and climate change. You can reduce a lot of that if we just get rid of these natural disasters. And we don't have to spend so much time trying to rebuild it, like entire cities because of these natural disasters. Yeah. Uh, also, chiming in with the fact that I know it says that it's like avoid 0.6 degrees Celsius. And I want to make sure people out there know that 0.6 degrees Celsius is a lot. Okay. I know it may seem <laughs> so, so, so insignificant and small, but... Just changing the overall temperature of our atmosphere by two degrees, two. Like, isn't the dose? Earth going to be? Yeah, like we can't turn back after like, I think one point six to two degrees Celsius. Yeah, so zero point six is very, very, very significant. Okay. I just want to put that mm-hmm. out there. <laughs> Although I think this is a smart move by the Biden administration, I wish they would put in, like, it, I know it said it'll span over at least 15 years. I wish it'd be less because we are in a climate emergency. Just saying. We are desperate for change. Yeah. and But I do understand maybe it was a certain, like, uh, maybe it was... A certain push they had to do to get from like opponents, uh, change in the products of these refrigerators and whatnot. But like I said, climate emergency. <laughs> we did things very fast in World War Two, so we can do it again. <laughs> well, yeah, but I think for people, World War Two was a much greater threat than climate change, which is a little bit stupid. But even those they think or like COVID, you know they don't understand. Ah! Some people are like against trying to say that oh yeah climate change is a thing and i am like girl what are you saying like the effects are out there you just like don't you you don't see that girl it's it's like the if i can't hear it you can't hear either (laughs) you know that chinese proverb yeah (laughs) if i don't hear it it's not there that's not how it works but you do you girl So our last story, we have the land of the Scots. The Scottish election is on the move to vote on their independence for the second time. So the pro-independence Scottish National Party, SNP, has taken hold of the Scottish Parliament since 2007, and it looks like it's going to be a comfortable win for them again for this election as well. The party's two biggest rivals, the Scottish Labour and the Scottish Conservative parties, which are both pro-union, have kind of just given up trying to win the majority of the votes, and now they're just trying to pull away votes from the SNP, which sounds a lot like the Democrats in the mid, <laughs> the midterm election. But uh, just as a rundown, what pro union means? Pro union means that they are supportive of being part of the United Kingdom and the union there, right? While the pro independence party focus uh, wants more, they just want out. <laughs> If the SNP gains more of a majority, 
then it would be pretty likely they will hold another independence referendum on whether Scotland wants to be part of the United Kingdom, like I had mentioned before. A decade back, they had held their first poll in which a majority of voters actually chose to stick with the Union. However, with the recent Brexit issue, which Scottish people are generally showing disapproval at, and the rise of the pro-independent SNP, which is now the biggest party so far since 2019, the results could be drastically different this time. Although technically only the UK Parliament can grant Scotland another independence referendum, and they don't really want to, uh, but if enough Scottish parliamentary members want it, they will likely get it. So they're really just trying to get out because of Brexit? That's Um, one of the biggest... Well, one of the biggest factors. Yes. Yeah, it is a factor. Mm. I mean, the Scottish independent issue has been an issue for, like, God knows how long, literally. Mm -hmm. God knows how long. (laughs) But, yeah. I think the United Kingdom is definitely a very interesting political situation, I would call it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Scotland is considered a country, right? And Scotland can handle its domestic affairs like a regular, right, country. But Mm -hmm. if it comes to things like independence and constitutional-wise, the UK Parliament does have power over it. And let's just say the UK don't really want Scotland to leave. It's kind of like Hong Kong and China a few years. I mean, obviously now it's different, guys. But, like, before the whole independence things, like, well, sorry, not independence thing, but, like, the whole Beijing bill kind of got implemented, right? Yeah, although there was no real push for oh, yeah. independence, and also China is not a democratic party. and They have their differences. Yeah, they have, sure, differences, if you could call it that. But even though there can be independence, I honestly am very, very unsure what that could mean. One, if that actually happens, that would be insanely huge, right? But the UK don't mm-hmm. really want Scotland to break apart. All right. Like, they've been together for the longest of longest time, since, like, Queen Elizabeth, remember? Mm -hmm. After she died and King James took over. Yeah. The, like I said, the UK government, only the UK government can give them another referendum, and what happened back in 2011 is that the Prime Minister, Cameron, just, like, said, yeah, fine. (laughs) Um, Obviously not, like, that resigned, but because he was pressured to. And like I said, they said no. So there's really no defined way that Scotland can actually force the British to get it. It has to require the UK Parliament's permission. And Boris Johnson is like, no, so far. He says he will reject Um. any of it. So it's not like the SNP doesn't have power, though, right? They would have to really really pressure them from like political stance a moral stance a legal stance to just force the vote mm-hmm. okay yeah but like i said if the gro- um if there's a growing amount of scottish people who really want it i think there would be enough influence to get it and yeah just like pressure right yeah but at the same but britain's just trying to hold on like they are mm-hmm they're like, we can't yeah, lose another country. Another one? 
Well, those are all the stories that we have for you today. But before we leave you, we have our Sunday snippet into the past. So our Sunday snippet to the past is that on May 9th, 1754, the first newspaper cartoon in America appears. Wow, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, I love Peanuts. Peanuts is like my favorite. Oh, I have a cousin who was obsessed with Peanuts characters before. And for good reason. They're so cute. Love Snoopy. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys all for listening. And have a good Sunday.